This is going to be authentic because I haven't been given any questions. I haven't been vetted. So wherever Nat's trying to go right now, I have no idea. <clears throat> Let me posture myself properly. Take a sip of this, you know, ginger ale and go ahead. What's the, um, what is the hardest thing that you feel you've had to experience or accommodate or adjust during this time? Not being able to walk. I'm in a group where we have to do 4,000 steps a day. Yeah. Or you pay $2. So having <laughs> to pay my $2 was that inner critic is really who it's like a monkey on your back. I tell you, it, it just creeps right back up and starts with the harshness and wanting to be or getting the old and really having the practice of being in the moment, accepting what's here and building on that. Yeah, that's it. And you said it, right? It's living in that moment, right? End of the day, it's just everything's a moment. Yeah. Uh, everything. Success, failure, it's all a moment, right? Like it's not, it's not going to last. So you got to do whatever you need to do to maintain it and appreciate it at the same time. Learn the lessons you're supposed to learn while you're in that moment. And, you know, just know that either, either spectrum, right? Like it's, it's not going to last. So just embrace it. And that's hard for me, right? Like, especially coming from music and promotions and stuff like that, you're used to being in control. And, uh, you know, as soon as that kind of subsides and you realize you don't really have any control, you only have control of your reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say humbling, but it just puts things into perspective. You know, what's important. We are kind of seduced into this thought that we can control things. Yeah. And on the external parts and you come to see, you know what, I can trust in something bigger. And that brings some like humility and in some humbling of, okay, let go of that grip of trying to control everything. And really that control is really suppressing having to feel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. So when we gauge how the world will be, we give like this preparation of how we'll be in that situation. So yeah, we guard yeah. our feelings rather than if you show up in the moment, have life as is, you have to be in the sensitivity of feeling the fear. Yeah. I like they say fear and love can exist at the same moment, right? So if you truly love what you're doing, you're not even focused on the fear. But when you're focusing on the fear, it's that lack of control, the apprehensions, the thinking or overthinking about what the consequences are going to be instead of just living, you know, enjoy and enjoying the moment, enjoying the experience and just living. But yeah, I get you. And also, you know, we aren't taught to feel fear. We're not taught to feel fear. Yeah. We're taught to conquer it. We're taught to. Yeah, we're kind of we're, we're kind of taught to avoid it, right? Yeah, and our nervous system is fear. Hmm. It has one function: don't let this vessel die. Mm. So you always have fear in you. That's interesting. So one I thing like I don't I don't see has. fear as a as a negative thing. No, it's an energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you know, sometimes your body or the energies or the atmosphere is warning you for something like you're getting that, that, that not in your stomach because you shouldn't go down that alley. Listen to it. Right. Like, you know, I don't see it as a negative thing at all. Yet, you know, in, in a lot of cultures or especially religion, don't fear, don't fear, fear is evil. Fear is this fear is that. And it's like, if you go with the energy and you're trying to control it, yeah, it can blindly take over your actions. Yet fear in its basic function, it's a necessity. It's what helps yeah. us to adapt on this planet. 
Yeah. And, and I, also Christianity as, as well. Like, it's not so much that they tell you don't fear, but it's like, don't fear if you trust in God. Right. Like if you trust in the maker, if you trust in the entity that created this whole thing, why, why should you fear? If you know that it's orchestrated, if you know that he has your back, if you know that you're going to be delivered grace and mercy, if you know, he's going to be your provider, your protector. Right. So why, why fear? You know, it's, it's a waste. Yet a lot of people don't understand that fear is an energy. So they have this feeling inside them and they start to evilize it and people are trying to get rid of it or fix it. I'm like, why don't you work with it and ask it why it's there? It's a, a method of protection. Yeah. So there's an overwhelming thing that's going on with you. So why don't you ask it what it is? Yeah. Yet if we're not giving any tools to understand what's going on internally, that's why, you know, I understand the basis of what Christianity wants to say, don't fear if you have all these things. Yet I got this uncomfortable feeling in me and you're telling me, I oughtn't to focus on this yet. I don't know what this thing is. Yeah. But I think that's the whole, the, the whole like adage or, you know, I don't want to speak uh, as a pastor or an influencer or as a deacon or anything like that, or anyone who's trying to like push religion on anyone or push spirituality on anyone. But it's, it's the not focusing on the fear and focusing on something else, putting your hope and putting your faith into another entity that is that you that you are sure of you know that you're sure will be there for you that hasn't changed that will protect you right anyways listen we're getting we're, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of a lot of this stuff right now i don't i know the record button is there i don't know if we're starting i'll so start it up i'll start you, you see you're <laughs> like oh wait a minute welcome to the lift oneself podcast renford i really appreciate you being here I, I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be here and, you know, anything that you're you're about, I'm for. How is your heart doing? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I think in this day and age, my heart is very agitated. It's talking about race on a constant daily basis. Sometimes there's a solution. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes speaker people are speaking for speaking sake and semantics. Is change really something that the world wants to see or is it the hot topic right now so my, my heart is agitated i have so much love for you know people and stuff but then with that it saddens me when i just see the brokenness of people the brokenness of situations the lack of acknowledgement one way you know you want to run and fight and you know try to save and protect everyone but then on the other end you have to kind of fall back and understand that not everyone is at the same point and same place and they have to go through that realization phase and then figure out what it is that they want to say right so you got to be patient with them and especially during this uh pandemic with the lack of interactions and socialness and stuff like that these youngins are getting affected and this is really becoming their norm and there's nothing normal about it you know what i mean so my heart's agitated so that was that was a great opening introductory question nat nat lift yourself lift your spirit lift oneself <laughs> what can you thank covid for you know i lo- i love covid in all honesty i i've dubbed it the great exposure and the veil has just been removed over a lot of things and i mean things are starting to open up again so i think the distractions are coming back into play the sporting events the playoffs but in the heart of the pandemic people started to realize what was really important to them. 
right? Like having the fancy outfit to go out to the party wasn't that important. It was that interaction with family members or lack thereof that people were really and truly missing. People were missing that they couldn't have the big Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner. They couldn't have the birthday parties and invite everybody and their mom and the kids over, you know, so it, it was the great exposure. So I'm very grateful for that. We need to start having more conversations about um, parenting, about children, about these things that can happen. OK, so what were to happen? You know, you're, you're, you're talking now with your, your lady or your man or what have you have that conversation. Oh, if I were to get pregnant, what would we do? Like have that conversation before you in the moment. I don't think we have that enough. I don't think we future plan enough. I, I certainly didn't future plan. I didn't have those conversations. It was always like, yeah, you know, if I have a child, I'm going to take care of it. And right, right, right. But like the nuances, like what faith are you going to raise that child up in? You know, um, what school do you want this pers- this child to go to? How are we going to raise it? Like, the, you know, there's so much to it. You know what I mean? And, and those conversations need to have not just for people who are getting married or whatnot, but people who are lying down with each other unprotected. Mm-hmm. Even protected things happen. Yeah, that, that too. I but at least many contraceptive babies. That's true, too. That's true, too. If something's meant to be, it's going to come into fruition and it's going to come into existence. Yeah. And we do the best that we can in protecting yet we aren't having these uncomfortable conversations of honesty and being, you know what, if this were to happen and it's a possibility, how are we going to show up in this? Yeah. Instead of avoiding the unforeseen, it's like, actually, why are we not being mature and facing it head on and having direct communication? You know, it goes right back to you talking about fear. Yeah. We haven't been raised to be comfortable in fear. So instead of addressing those situations, we avoid them. We avoid the awkward conversations and think that if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And then, boom, we're slapped with it. And then we have to deal with it in the moment. But, yeah, as we're sitting here speaking, it comes back to that lack of embracing fear. Yeah, that's why I said we're not taught to sit with the fear. Yeah. No, as as we keep talking, it keeps coming back and hit me in the head like, for real, we don't embrace fear. We don't, we fear fear. We avoid fear instead of embracing it and channeling it and pivoting it so it works in our benefit. So last year you had an unforeseen accident. Yes, ma'am. Can you explain to the listeners what happened? For sure. So last year, July 5th, 2020, I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing basketball with these young cats. And I don't know, maybe I thought I was a young cat as well, but it was untimely. It was unpredicted and it changed the course of my life. Because again, like I wasn't able to walk on If anyone knows anything about the Achilles muscle, this is the muscle that's at the back of your heel, just above your heel. That little tendon connects your foot to your calf, to your thigh, to your hip. So once that little tendon goes, you're immobilized. It's very, very difficult to get around. What did you discover about yourself in that experience? So one thing I really discovered that I don't like to ask for help. That was one of the biggest rude awakenings. I'm used to doing things myself. I'm I'm very self-sufficient and maybe self-stubborn sufficient. I, I need to really plan you know, maximize my time. So those are two things that I really, really, really learned uh, during that process. 
What does self-care look like for you? Self-care is knowing yourself, right? Self-care is taking care of yourself. First, you have to know yourself. You have to know what do you need? What do you need mentally? What do you need physically? What do you need spiritually? You know, you have to identify those things to start the process, right? And then once you know those things, and again, we go go back to the pandemic. I started seeing a therapist during the pandemic because I started realizing like there was so much stuff that was pent up inside of me and I needed to speak to somebody about it, right? And speaking to the people I was around wasn't necessarily enough. So I had to embrace the fact that I'm not okay. Mentally, I'm not well. Uh, even though I think I'm doing well, I'm going through the motions, but there's things that are affecting my day-to-day adult life. So I had to deal with that. So definitely know yourself, know what you need. And then once you know what you need, try to make those plans to achieve those. So if it's like, again, learning how to walk again, I had to literally take walks. There was fatigue in the leg, but I had to push myself. I had to take the breaks when I needed to take the breaks. So try to be disciplined in the things that you know that you need, make it happen. And don't wait for anyone else to validate or to confirm what you need. Do like just be empowered for yourself. Know what you need to do for yourself. Some people will look at you like you're crazy. They'll look at you like you're stubborn. They'll have all these things to say, but only you know what you what you desire. Only you know what you want. Only you know how you're going to get it. At the end of the day, only you are responsible for getting what it is that you need. I want to commend you on the therapy. Oh uh, no, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's something especially as as I. I Try to speak about that as much as I can as a melanated man, because it's something that we don't speak about. It's kind of taboo in our society. It's kind of looked down upon or frowned upon like you're weak if you if you do that. No, like you're not. We're not all strong all the time. You know, you can try to be all you want, but it's not the reality. So, I mean, don't 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 commend me for going, but commend me for talking about it. You know what I mean? But like, we all should go. You know what? No, I want to commend you for doing that because that first step into something that's unknown and it goes against the grain of what culture says, that's courageous. I don't think it is though, because, okay, listen, and this is just me talking, right? And this is me and Nat Nat talking right now. Yeah, of course. We go to the barbershops. Yeah. We have conversation. Yeah. We talk about our issues. Yeah. We go to the basketball court. We talk about our issues. We you, go on, but we, let me ask you, do you talk about them honestly? That's my point. So therapy has always been there. And we've always been searching for an outlet to speak about our issues or to speak about our problems. But we're going to the wrong avenues. We're not going to the avenue that's really going to propel us and uplift us. We're just going to somebody so they can either embrace what we're saying and confirm what we're the nonsense that we're doing is okay and it's not. Right. And then the, normally the person who gives us that nugget of wisdom isn't always around. So then we're just passing around all of this negative information or non-positive or non-healing information. So we do it. I think as, as individuals, we always want to outlet. We always want to release. We're always looking for some type of advice. That's why we go to the horoscopes. There's so many things that we do. So we can't say that we never wanted to seek out therapy. My opinion, me and Nat not talking right here, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think we always had it. It's just the, oh, I'm not going to sit in the couch and put my feet up and talk about my problems to somebody because, oh, that makes you look soft. No, man, it's expensive, but like it don't make you soft, right? So I think we've always looked for ways to really 
get somebody to help us through our problems, whether it's a friend, a grandma, or, you know, a parent, whatever, whatever it might be, teacher, coach, we're always looking for it, right? The problem is, is that those people and those entities, the church is another place that people go to, to try to deal with their problems. But the problem I found is that a lot of the places that we're going to are not equipped with the resources to help us through those situations, like truthfully. What did you learn through therapy? I've learned that a lot of things that I've thought are accurate. I'm actually way ahead of the curve that I, I thought. I, I, think, I thought I knew that. I'm very self-aware. I'm, I, I can admit my faults. I know what weaknesses are. I'm, I'm open to speak about those. I've learned that I really try to protect people a lot, right? So I'm not going to say something, even if it's true for me and if I've gotten over that issue, because I'm concerned about how's the other person going to feel. Because there has been times when, you know, you say something and then it gets back to that person. They're like, you were talking my business and you said this about me. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how it went. Let me give you the context. But by that time, they're angry and then you're defensive. And then, you know, the person who said it is nowhere to be found and you don't want to involve them again. Um, But I I really try to protect people. And sometimes to my demise. Yeah. So I learned that I really try to protect people, but I'm very, very self-aware. And I'm self-aware to a point where I know what I need to do, but then I don't do it because I'm trying to save others. So it's a crazy juxtaposition that I'm, I'm working through. Once you understand what patterning is that you do with yourself, yeah, then you get out of them and you're like, oh, I catch you. You're trying to evade this because again, the fear, we don't sit with the fear. Right, right. And see, but I come from a different side where I embrace fear, right? Like I embrace fear. I embrace letdowns. And so I thought I could manage all of those and control all of those. I have nothing to fear because if I get caught, then this is what I'm going to do. And if I get caught, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And, you know, if this happens, that's what I'm going to So you always try, I, for me at least, I always try to plan it. So I never feared fear. Mm-hmm. I never was shown how to be emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. emotionally fully available you know it's just like okay issues oh i see red flags boom i'm gonna shut down and that's not fair to individuals sometimes because sometimes like they don't even know what's going on and they're just like trying to have a conversation with you and you're not talking back to me those those are things that i'm, I'm learning and i'm going through right how's your relationship with sensitivity so I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I don't think so. I think, again, it goes back to the receiver who I'm in the conversation with. If I can truly be open and I can say what I need to say and it's, it doesn't like blow up and become a totally different situation, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I can recognize people's sensitivity. Um, I try to be pretty blunt. I try to say what I need to say, which I've learned over the years. That's not always the best way and sometimes you need to really exercise tact in terms of delivering certain information out there but i'm i i think personally i'm okay with sensitivity i think you know i would love to be as open with everyone but not everyone's able to receive that right i'd love to be able to be truthfully honest with everyone not everyone's able to receive that not not everyone not doesn't necessarily want that you know so that's something that i'm working and struggling with to be honest you know so sensitivity is, is not my, is not an issue for me. 
it's the understanding that is the issue. Because when I have conversations with people, sometimes it's like, I don't, we don't have to agree, but just hear me out. Try to understand my position and where I'm coming from. I'm just looking for understanding, right? So then when I flip out or whatever have you, I'm keeping everything personal. So if I flip out, you know, you understand the reason why. You're not just looking at the action itself, right? Separate the person from the action. But it's like, I haven't really experienced that too much. The understanding is is what I crave for, you know, and there's, sometimes there's not enough time in the day to even get that understanding with individuals, you know? Do you cry? I, I, I do and I don't, if that makes sense, right? So like, I've had moments, especially spiritually, right? Like as I, I took on my spiritual walk where I realized that it was okay to cry and it's necessary to cry and you need to cleanse yourself. And there have there, been times when, yeah, I'm bawling and the tears are just coming out because I have no other words to express what I want to say. But it takes me a long time to get to that level. That's also not good, right? Because then I'm bottling things up little by little and I shouldn't have to wait for it to become a pressure cooker, and then I release it. Like, I should be able to have a good cry every now and again, and, you know, I'm nice. But I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I do that. I think it's still the, you know, the tough guy. I got to take care of everything. I got to be the strong person for everyone. I think I still have that mentality, mm-hmm. right? And, and until it gets unbearable, and then, boom, I just got to, you know, go to a bush and say some prayer and just let the tears flow like Niagara Falls. When you were doing therapy, did trauma ever come up? Yeah, big time. We're a trauma-filled people. We have skeletons in the closet. We have things that have never been spoken about. We have um, ideologies that have been passed down from generation to generation. I don't know about you, but I, I had my first heart-to-heart with my father when my son was about to be born because I wanted him to hear from me before anyone else. So imagine that. You go through all those years. I've known my father my whole life. We, we lived in the same house up until I was 13, but it took until I was 24 and that I had a son for us to really have a heart to heart. And that's the first time we went out and had some rum and sat at a bar and like really just reasoned. First time, 24 years, that's problematic, man. I would encourage everyone, don't normalize the traumas because we have the ability to change those things. We have the ability to break strongholds. We really, really do. But first we have to identify them. So don't be afraid of the trauma, identify it, recognize it so that you're able to get over the hump. That's why you asked me before in my relationship with my father, I can't, I don't have crazy negative things to say about him because the more I understand him and the more I understand myself is the more I understand how alike we are. So for me to hate him is to hate myself. And if I hate myself, then what good I what good am I to anyone that I'm around? There's wisdom in trauma. Big time. It shapes you for who what you are. And yeah. the experiences, it's not to identify with them. When we are children, we're very narcissistic. We're very self-involved and we interpret everything as us doing everything. And we don't even have a perception of somebody else's experience. So we don't even realize like they have their own emotions and moods and all that. And once you start to go back in those memories and you can see it from a different perspective, you have a different relationship with trauma. But most times we're pushing and resisting it and wanting the story to be something different than what it was. I think sometimes people want certain validations and that gets mixed up with the trauma. 
Because yes, you've been through whatever you've been through. That person may never apologize to you. And you're longing so much for the validation that you were right to feel the way that you felt at that time. Understanding the trauma can give you that, but you still may never get the apology from the person. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay to move forward just knowing that this was the circumstance. So now that I understand that, let me not repeat it. Which again, in our society, we repeat a lot of things, man. You see it generationally when you know people are just... You, you, you see it, man. I won't even give an example, but it's seen where things just repeat themselves generation to generation to generation. And then they start saying that they're cursed. And it's like, is it a curse or is it because nobody wants to do something different? Yeah. Any change, you need acknowledgement. Right. And a and lot of times it's, we're going to keep it in the shadows and we're not going to say anything because if you don't say anything, then it doesn't exist. And it's like, that is denial and nothing can change in denial. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And it, it, it's difficult to have to acknowledge um, some things, yet once you do, then that's the, the task of doing the work of changing, of cha- disrupting the patterns. Right. And end of the day, we're all responsible for the individual, right? Even as a parent, like, I can't prescribe what my son's future is going to be like. I can just lay a path. Hopefully he follows it. And, you know, hopefully I've, I've set, you know, a, a decent track record for him so he's able to come up under but he's responsible for himself whether he wants to walk into it or not so we're all responsible for ourselves so stop focusing on other people like be happy with you love you and as i'm saying this i'm speaking to myself you know what i mean but you know love ourselves man know that we're enough know that we're special know that you know we're valued you know and if we walk around like the true kings and queens that we are within ourselves that's only going to exude in the natural and we will walk the streets like that, you know, and we will eat foods differently because of that. We will take on and dismiss relationships because of that. Right. But we have to love ourselves and it's only our responsibility. No one else can do it for you. <laughs> no one else can, you know, get into a relationship and that person treats you like a king or a queen. And then when that person isn't there, you still feel low. It's problematic. That's, that's what, what they call it. Codependence. Yeah, we've known a lot of people and they have transitioned. And yeah. I'm going to hold the space for Yolanda. Yeah. How did her death impact you? Uh, it impacted me tremendously. Still impacts me to this day. I've, I've known Yo-Yo since we were, we were babies, right? Like our mothers used to work with each other. And she was my administrator in music and she was, you know, I danced in her group and, you know, her phone number is still on my banners right now. If you, if you check, you know, my promotional materials and whatnot. But yeah, that, that, that affected me. That affected me very, very deeply. Still affects me. No rhyme or reason, no solace. The one thing I can say that I take out of it is just the power of family. She has a very rich family. Yeah. I'm spiritual. So I know that our bodies are just a vessel. I know that the spirit lives on. Death is for the passing. I think it's for the living. Mm -hmm. And it's for us to take the lessons from it, right? Like they're supposed to inspire us to make some type of change in our lives. If if that passing happened and it was so atrocious or so um, remarkable and so off the wall. Okay, so what are we doing in our lives now to, to ensure that when we go we're not leaving those stones unturned as well, right? You know, she brought everyone together. 
for the last time. Like, literally, like if you really check it, right? Like her funeral happened, her reception happened. You know, people drove in during the winter, and that was really the last time everyone was together because then the pandemic hit two months later. So that was the last huge gathering that everyone was able. You know, we were able to hug, we were able to embrace, we were able to have conversation. The food galore. We were able to do so much. She she did that. She brought us together. So I, I look at all of the wonderfulness she brought into our lives. I think it's always easier when you know somebody's sick and you can kind of see, you see the timeline. But again, it goes back to our control as human beings, right? Like we even want to control when people are going to pass. So when things just hit you out of the blue like that, she died the day before my birthday. It's always just forever, you know, we're going to be connected, you know, just like we were in life. We're going to be connected in, in, in you know, the passing as well and the going home because, you know, January 5th, she's gone. January 6th is my, my, my earth strong. So it's always just going to be synonymous. And I'll, I'll never forget getting the phone call, you know. So that's again, I'm going back to we were speaking about earlier when people pass away, everybody is able to drop what they're doing and show up. So let's just always try to live in that moment now to know that let's try to connect in life. Let's not wait for the atrocities. Let's not wait for the demises and the passings to come together. And it's hard, right? Like, I think it's hard. I think it humanistically, I think it's, it's difficult because we have to make an effort. I think a lot of people are good intentioned, right? Mm-hmm. But we get caught up in our own issues. We get caught up in our own feelings, our own emotions. And it's just like, oh, well, I'm not calling so-and-so because I called them five times. I'll now I'm going to get the call back. So you'll bond them. You know, and it's just like, but do you know why that person didn't call you? Right. So I, I think we have to get outside of our, you're talking about as children, we're narcissistic. As adults, sometimes we don't lose that either. Right. So sometimes we just got to try to get out of ourselves, just really connect in, in, in life and know what's important. I mean, I saw people at that reception that, uh, like I said, man, she just brought the whole, city together that day so when i'm seeing legal officials i'm seeing you know uh you know the bus drivers when i'm seeing the people just from the community the associations the childhood high school friends the it was it was just so rich man um so i like i always just salute her because she brought the city together one last time before we knew we were going to get locked up like i remember people driving back home remember it was a snowstorm that day too right I don't remember people driving back to Toronto and that people driving back into Montreal and that like, that's how much of an impact that she had on our lives that we were willing to risk our safety and give up the whole day just to sing our praises and to connect and to be there for her and, and to show love and to show love to the family. So yeah, you know, stay, stays with me. Always will. We'll always be connected. Love her, love her, love her, love her, love her. With the awareness you have right now, imagine you're 18 years old and you can only tell yourself three words. It doesn't have to be in a sentence, yet it can only be three words. Three words? Yeah, me with me at 18, I'm not listening to me. This is hard, Nat. You're really putting me on the burner right now. For my three words that I would use that I would tell my 18-year-old self would be invest, plan, and overcome. Thank you for being on the podcast with me, Renford. This has been a very enlightening, vulnerable, enriching conversation. Well, thanks for having me. Like I said at the beginning, 
you know that anything that you're about, I support. We've been friends from a long, long, long time. And rest up your foot. You will get better. I it's am. a slow, 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 slow process. Don't try to rush it. Just take time. Enjoy. Enjoy seeing life from a different, more uh, mellow perspective. Ask for help. Seek help. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be good. You'll be at, back up and going before you even know. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. Thank you for making it to the end. I appreciate you and your time. If you found any value in this conversation, I ask you to help us grow by subscribing to the Lift Oneself podcast and more sharing it out to others. The more that we have conversation and dialogue that are honest and open, that is when we can remove the stigmas around mental health. Until next time, remember, be kind and gentle with yourself. You matter.